He runs and he goes fast. Sonic the Hedgehog. Too fast for the naked eye. Okay, we might have to stop there because of copyright reasons. Laura is there. But, um, hi, my name's Stephen Hussey. And is, that, is that the actual Sonic song? That is a Sonic song. I think it was from the old TV show I used to watch. Was um, it really? Yeah. I'm, why? Does that not sound familiar to you? Well, no, I wouldn't say I'm a big Sonic buff, Steve. I think um, I'm preempting the conversation we're about to have when I say that it's been about 25 years since I've played a Sonic game. And uh, I certainly don't remember the theme tune. Uh, no, that's fair. Um, not many people do. But, uh, okay, and, that, and, that, and that's probably the problem that's about to be at hand. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, just to say to anyone who's joined, welcome. This is the Stephen George podcast. Um, I, uh, I'm Stephen Hussey, with me George Taylor. Um, we're talking right now about Sonic. <laughs> um, that topical, <laughs> that topical hedgehog. Yeah, um... No, you haven't parachuted into a radio broadcast from 1995. Uh, there's a brand new Sonic film coming out. And boy, does it look like they've got an interesting take on Sonic. It's, um, some, it's some kind of something. It's, uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I could consider myself in the 90s, George, a Sonic mega fan. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, uh, you know, we know about my passionate love of video games. And uh, when I was a kid, Sonic was sort of the sort of the child's 90s view of everything that was cool. Mm, like a far, sort of, bit, bit of a father figure. <laughs> uh, sort of a cheeky, a roguish, a rakish figure. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, you know, he wore sunglasses and... Talked in a kind of snappy way, and it was it was very nineties cool. Mm. And you know, now they've decided. Well, hey, it's been about twenty five <laughs> years. It's time for a Sonic film. And uh, you know, we talked on the other podcast about sort of cheap capitalizing on nostalgia and how that's sort of all the rage. And I I feel like the, we've now we're now in peak peak nostalgia exploitation when. You know, they're now making a Sonic film that I think is not even targeted towards children. I think they're trying cynically. They're trying to get both. They're trying to get it's both. awful, isn't it? So I think this topic has come up because of the very, um, I think, terribly received and widely seen trailer for this new film that's just a bit of an abomination, I would say. But um, yeah, it, it's just missed everything from this kind of two-minute preview. Often a trailer can do do a film bad service and perhaps there's a there's a masterpiece hiding under there but I don't think so um, most of the chat's been about the CGI we can get onto that in a second but I would say that the bigger the bigger issue is that it looks atrocious in every sense really because it it has just missed its audience it's, like you say it's gone for both by trying to be the kind of <laughs> cool in a way that yeah almost like bart simpson was cool in like a do the bart man 1991 sort of snappy generation x kind of way but it's 30 years ago it's who's going the people who liked that then are now potentially potentially even grandparents it's like so wildly wide of the mark and the people like kids who would find that kind of cool now aren't big sonic the hedgehog fans so i don't know who, who's it for? 
Well, here's the weird thing, and and this is you know, as someone who has since I was a child, always um, before my hopes were very very brutally dashed. I used to have high hopes for any video game film when I was a kid because mm. I thought, oh my god. They're doing a film of that video game I love. They're doing a film of Final Fantasy. That didn't turn out so great. They're doing a film of whatever, Metal Gear. And it was it was they always made, made a great film of that Goldeneye video game. <laughs> and uh yeah, it works okay the other way around at times. Um video games based on films, that can also be horrible, but sometimes that works out nicely. But um Surely yeah, it's thanks. because it, it just takes away all the autonomy that you have in the video game is just gone and it's just suddenly on rails. Well, the, yeah. I mean, that's one big fact. I mean, often this poorly executed bad story cobbled together, but just like an actual point of interest is in the video game, you're kind of the master of what happens and that's taken away from you. So why would you care really? And it's like complete. Yeah. That's the thing. It's, it's the fun of controlling Sonic and, that's kind of the fun part, right? He runs really fast. You get to run really fast. And Mario's in this cartoonish world. So the idea of when they, you know, the famous abomination that is the Super Mario Brothers film, it's like, I don't want to see Bob Hoskins playing an Italian plumber in real life. In like, like a sort of dystopian hellscape. <laughs> yeah, I, it's, it just, it's just jarring and horrible. And it's like, this isn't what I remembered. I remember a cartoonish plumber that I, that I thought was fun to play in that world. So it's, this film should just be entirely animated or three, you know, just a kind of 3D animated film. I, the, this weird and jarring imposition of the Sonic character on the real world. And there's a bit in the trailer where he says, I'm here to save your world. So where is he from? Hedgehog, is, is that, yeah. That's not even a part of the game. That he's some kind of extraterrestrial. Um, Jim most of the chat has been about the CGI, right? That's People are worried that he, he's kind of a bit too human and it, it's unsettling that if he is this kind of alien animal, uh, he's yeah. still got human teeth and like like human male boy hands. It's all a bit a bit off. Well, they didn't just do the cartoon version. They made a 3D version of Sonic in the film Wreck-It Ralph and it looks better than this. It's right. like, it looks actually like the character. So it's like, why don't you just do that? And um, So the, the good people who are making it have then come out and said, you know, okay, we got the CGI wrong. We really want this film to be a success. So we're going to redo the CGI. I don't... <laughs> I don't think that's going to save it, Steve. I don't. I think that's. I, I don't want to say the least of their problems, but it's it's going to be gilding, well, not gilding the lily. It's sort of the opposite. Pol, pol, polishing a turd, for the better phrase. I mean, plot, uh, music, timing, acting, all of these quite essential features to the film. Well, you make a good. Advanced. Yeah, and you made a good point that you know they they cast Jim Carrey as Doctor Robotnik, which is some of the most. <laughs> bizarre stunt casting I've ever seen but as like that I mean Dr. Robotnik is anyway a portly round like round man and Jim Carrey's sort of a gaunt you know he's like a fryer tuck sort of buzz cut tubby yeah. Figure, right yeah he's a tubby mustachioed sort of bald villain and it's the Jim Carrey wacky gangly yeah. so it's just Okay, let's cast an actor that looks nothing like or doesn't remind you at all of the character. And 
I mean, they play Gangster's Paradise in the trailer. <laughs> a song which, from about again, 1993, an actor from a from big in like the early 90s, a video game that was big in the early 90s. I I don't know, 12, like 12 to 15-year-old boys, I imagine, are the target audience. How many of them have ever used or know what Sega is? Well, like, they know, you know, as a, as a member of the gaming community, I mean, there are Sonic games still out. They're known for, notorious for being pretty dreadful now. What platform are they on now? Uh, Nintendo, because Nintendo sort of assimilated a lot of Sega properties. But right. um, they, they come out on some others occasionally. But uh, they, yeah, they come out on others. But um, it's, uh, yeah, it, it, it's like they're, they're known for being bad in the gaming community. So the gaming community already regard this film as a bit of a joke. <laughs> so, and presumably they're one of the main audiences. Yeah. And and they've it's almost gone viral for how bad it, it looks. And I, I don't know if paradoxically, I really hope not that that's going to actually work in some way where people are wanting to go see this. Like, like car, what, seeing a car crash kind of thing. Yeah, it's been so negatively received that it's almost trolling. It's like people are going just to kind of, I think people are morbidly curious. But well, and it'll be like The Room where Tommy Wiseau tells everyone it was deliberately done like, I mean, it's just the idea that these uh, executives just take a property. It, it looks like the person making it has not ever played a Sonic game or seen it. Really, really strange. And you, yeah, I'd, I'd love to know the process that goes behind them, but it's, um, it doesn't look like it's going to buck the trend for video game films being notoriously terrible. Will you go and see it? No, I, I mean, unless it's reviewed as being Citizen Kane, um, I think uh, you know. Look, I haven't seen it, so I don't know. It could it could be masterpiece, but um, I I couldn't. I don't think I. Based on what I've seen, <laughs> I have no reason to go and see that in the cinema. Yeah. It didn't even look. But to me, it didn't even look so bad. It's good sort of thing. It looks genuinely dull, and you know there was there was nothing compelling in that trailer. Yeah. Um, I couldn't. I couldn't bring myself to go and watch that out of curiosity. With I'm sure a lot of twelve year olds. Um, so yeah, that's our podcast for today, guys. Um, <laughs> well, do you want me to let me do a sort of a cheeky link into what the topic will be, Steve? I hope that I hope it's not a very long film, Steve. I hope it's you know a reasonable length. Because oh, films are getting a bit long. Brilliant. Um, no, that's not quite. That um, well, I I text George recently, very recently today, and I've sort of said this a few times, haven't I? Where I feel that a lot of books are just film and things in general. I feel like they're too long, and you know, this is this is from a man who is regularly doing clocking over sixty minutes on a podcast. You're sorry. Uh, you think that they're getting longer and it's a problem of our contemporary society or you just think some books and films are too long? Well, first, I, I think it depends on the medium. I think the TV show has become a, a bloated medium where I, I think there's a lot of incentives to make... I, I see this tide slightly turning at the moment and then maybe that trend, it's going to get shorter, but everything seems to be such an investment and mm-hmm. it's such a you've got a you know the new series is out and there's like 
13 hour long episodes and and that's all well and good if what you're the story you're telling justifies it and if I feel like it's a good use of my time and you know it's a hard topic to talk about are things too long because it sounds sort of haughty like I'm sitting on a throne judging a lot of these people's work and saying well you it's it's wasting my time but I do you know I was reading uh we talked about um the very long six volume novel series that is Carl of a now uh series and and it's become sort of very well known as a contemporary piece of literature as it's basically six volumes about one man's own life and just basically him telling telling about each book is about different parts of his life and he's telling the warts and all kind of all the dirty details of sort of and boring details at times of everything he gets up to but um is very highly regarded but it's uh you know i'm on like the fifth out of sixth book now and i'm really i found this book has gone through i've gone through thinking wow this is quite an achievement this whole thing it's experimental it's new it's really personal the fact that he's sort of written so honestly and then i realized like the newest one well sorry the one i'm reading is about 500 pages and i'm going how did how is this allowed to happen how is this allowed that as a piece of as a piece of entertainment which in some level a novel has to be even if it's art it's got to be entertainment on some level some people will disagree with that but uh and i'm thinking like as a product if you're looking at this and you're an editor how are you not saying this really, really needs to be 300 pages. So this really needs to, you, you don't, you know, there's long, long digressions into his college life, irrelevant, small friendships. So, you know, some of it is compelling because it's very real life and, you know, you feel like you're seeing a portrait of a real person. But then I'm reading it and I'm like, why am I reading more descriptions of nature? Why am I... I feel more and more greedy than ever that I'm like, just give me, give me either entertainment or insight. If it's not like, give me cognitive insight, give me something, but I can't listen to more descriptions of Norwegian forests as you drive oh, past. Steve, I'm, I'm a book ahead of you, mate. And I'm going to say, don't get your hopes up. Uh, well, yeah. So I, he, I, he makes, he certainly makes a lot of coffee and eats a lot of potatoes. There's a lot of descriptions of that. Um, yeah. I, w- I would say I'm more of a fan of them than you are and probably a bit more of a champion of him perhaps possibly turned you onto them I'm not sure but um, having now worked my work nearly finished the final one I think the intention that he started with and the thing that it became quite different he intended to publish the first book and possibly the second one and then because of the way it was received in Norway where he's from where it was published and how it it brought about a lot of legal issues and kind of achieved this incredible sense of notoriety that the book became this like self-reflective beast so in the in the sixth one he's talking about the publication of the first one and it does answer some it's like art being made about itself um i think is quite a a fairly unique concept i I can't really think of anything comparable certainly not in literature where it's it's so self-reflective and it it all it becomes itself in a way it's it's very hard to describe what it is but 
yeah, book, I mean, book six is 1,160 pages. It could certainly do with some very judicious editing. And there are some like 400 page digressions. Um, but I don't, I think that's symptomatic of the project he sought to undertake rather than, you know, contemporary literature is too wordy or that, that sort of thing. I think it's, his piece of work is quite a unique beast for sure. Um, I think, I don't know, you're, you're a man who undertook that, what was it, 10,000 page novels in a year or your Steve's big, Steve's big books project, whatever it was. Oh, like, that was, that was a project where I, I set out to read a lot of the great epics of literature, which tend to be very long. But here's the thing. I think, uh, you know, I, I sometimes I don't mind something being... It, it can be long if it's justified. And I get with, you know, Nausgaard's project, part of it is, this really is the expanse of a whole human life and it's it's everything about a person. And, and that's, you know, I get part of the project is it's almost um, ludicrous level of, you know, detail and scope. So there's the ambition of it anyway to write six volumes about your own life. But yeah, I, I agree. I, but I also, I'm not sure if that's exactly what it's about. He's not like, he doesn't recount from birth to death everything no. he does, right? It's more that he'll, he'll get sucked into recount. He'll recount. The first book is about the day he went and cleaned up his dad's house after his dad died and the day he went to a party at New Year's Eve when he was about 16. And it yeah. makes the quotidian become... Almost, I think when his writing works, it becomes like transcendent. It's just very hard to sustain that over multiple events and scenarios and times. Um, so I think, I don't know, I'm not sure if it's... What, 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 my, what my issue is, is that you get, uh, you get the point by, like, uh, book two and four, I think, are maybe the standouts, and it's like... And, and it's like, with them, you basically get the point of the whole project. And you don't really need five or six books to accomplish what is being communicated. Like, once it's been the point of, the, the point of what he's doing is being communicated, it's like, well, I don't, I don't need to now do this for another book, really. Um, and, I, and I think older books have a bit more of an excuse where it, they lived in a different world where, to be frank novels were a much more important source of entertainment and having a 700 page novel there wasn't as much competition for your attention and media and so in some ways people were quite happy to sit with you know many of dickens's novels that are 700 pages were written as serialized and people would look forward to the next installment of um david copperfield or something like that and so there's a kind of and I think War and Peace might have been similar. So I think like, well, in some ways those have more of an excuse to have been so long. Um, okay, maybe some of them are a bit overly long potentially, but, you know, if a book's amazing, it doesn't outstay its welcome. And, and some very few books do that. But it's just that thing in art where I do find I'm a real sucker. I'm a real sucker for doing less with more, I think. Uh, sorry, more with less. Um more or less. Um, I'm, a, I'm quite a sucker for economy. Um, I like things to be quite punchy. I feel, I feel good if I feel like someone giving me something hasn't 
misspent my time. And, and so that's why, like I said about Fargo, Fargo is like a great TV series for people who don't want the intimidation of, hey, here's a new series. There's six seasons. It's like Fargo has a season, a story, and the story is done. And you have a you have the nice closure and you're like, ah, oh, that was 10 episodes. It's finished. And and there's something nice about having something finished. And now now everything is so there's so much expansiveness. Like we're expanding this world. We're telling 10 films of story. We're telling eight seasons of Game of Thrones. And you know, Game of Thrones is Game of Thrones isn't a great example of what I'm saying, because Game of Thrones, to be fair, is a plot an expansive plot that sort of does does justify itself. But I will say more so with the books, with the TV show, you could say they've actually stretched this out a bit where they could have, they told many, many, they, they, they dragged things out in a specific way to almost get eight seasons of television out of it. You know what I mean? Whereas maybe you could have actually done a, a really punchy six seasons or five seasons out of it. Um, yeah, well, I mean, or conversely, you could ask ask them to do 12 seasons and carry on in that same approach, I guess. Okay, so here's my question. Would you would you want that now? If you could have three more seasons of Game of Thrones and they're, you know, and because some people, I might be wrong here, some people are like, do feel that and they feel like they're going too fast. They're going to finish the story too quick. But, I'm feeling I'm looking forward to it being just having it finished. But do, would you want three more seasons of storytelling to tell the rest of the story on Game of Thrones? Um, if it was, uh, yeah, if it meets the kind of high standards and measured pacing with which like the high level reputation has been attained, then yeah, I, I wouldn't have a problem with that. I think um, <laughs> I had a load of points to respond to in, in the stuff you raised there that I, I need to try and rein in in my mind. Like the a lot of a lot of the issues of length, I think that we see with lots of the different pieces of culture across all the different mediums are that obviously each day that goes on, the the further forward in time you go, the more stuff there is behind you to kind of process. If you go, oh, I want to catch up with the Sopranos, the the eight seasons of it already exist, so of course it's going to be a, a mountain to climb, and like the I guess with particularly television, the market kind of dictates the eight seasons of Game of Thrones because people were watching it and, you know, people want it. It's not like they said, oh, we're going to make eight seasons here and now and it's going to become really long and bloated. It's kind of they're giving the people what they want because people want more of it. The longer literature stuff is kind of... Like, I don't it's more the the intent dictates the length in many ways, right? Like I don't think the Nausgaard books would they certainly wouldn't work with being concise short stories. It is the length brings about the the effect in many ways. And it's it's absolutely yeah, prerogative to read it yeah. or not, I guess. And I d I don't think he should be beholden to, oh, there's other things competing for your attention, so I should make my book short. I mean, if you want to read your five out of six in, so that obviously isn't quite true. Um, and I, I would also caveat it without trying to sound snobby, but it's sort of like literature for people who read a lot of literature. I don't think it would be many people's, if you're, if you're kind of the 
the sort of person who reads like the big bestseller of the year, you're not going to accidentally get sucked into the Nausgaard cycle. It's kind of for the people who like seeing what's going on in contemporary fiction and stuff. So I think it sort of, it selects its audience in a way. I, I do think the latter two books are baggy, um, but I don't, I don't think he should be, um, I don't think that should necessarily be held against him. It's, is it not in like the eye of the, the eye of the beholder kind of thing like you're finding it a bit slow but Zadie Smith finds them incredibly compelling for example um it's sort of give the people what they want and just put it out there and it's going to resonate with different people I think the the television things like you said as well like you get some seasons now that they put out 13 hour long episodes so it's it's not like the attention um the competition for attention has therefore meant that everything has to get shorter. It's almost it's almost the other way. We've got mediums and the technology to allow us to have, you know, a proliferation of of different pieces of culture and we can have as much of it as we want. Like Netflix can keep churning stuff out. You'll never be able to watch all of it. You'll never be able to read everything. Listen well that that yeah. Well that partly is the the frustration I get where that that's it. There's a thing now because there's no limits, because Netflix aren't worried about well, we've got this many time slots on the television, so or this much, you know, this many weeks in the time schedule. It's now it now is a bit like that where it's like, well, we can we just have carte blanche. There's no there's no space limits anymore on the hard drive, so we can whack it all up there. Do you know what I mean? And it's yeah. um, so it's like, hey, have more seasons of Stranger Things. Why not? Like have have a have 15 episodes in this season and we're also going to have a weird episode where there's one whole hour on a character you don't care about a lot that we're going to just because why not we've got the space and mm -hmm. i'm just not of that i'm not of that ilk where i don't like just more of something because i like it i want it to be uh i want it to all be in service like i like the complete package of something to be like a a dense meat sandwich of it's all quality and i don't you know when there's like these tv shows with like a digressive episode that's like here's that fun experimental one where all of it focuses on the internal monologue of minor character i just think like this is i, I hate this i think like this is not what i want um this is not why i'm tuning in like you know everyone loved um that breaking bad episode about the fly uh, yeah, one I don't think everyone loved it, right? I think it was quite a polarising episode. Maybe. There's one Breaking Bad episode where they spend the whole time in the meth lab trying to catch a fly. And I, d I didn't hate the episode when I was watching it at the time, but it, loads of people sort of revered it as like a taught, oh, what, what an incredible concept. Like they just diverted from, and from the story to, to do this one. And I felt a bit like I... I just want to skip that i want to skip that episode if i if i rewatch breaking bad again i would probably be skipping that episode um because i'd feel like that was a bit of a sort of artistic digression for sort of maybe there's some thematic link to the characters in there but I, it wasn't enough for me to watch you know 45 to an hour of trying to catch a fly it's just you know and it sounds like i'm being really nitpicky because like i think breaking bad is awesome and it's a great show, so I'm not going to take Vince Gilligan to task for his writing abilities. Um, so I think these things are spots on the sun, but I do, 
I, I find the the bloating of things and the just more content is great. I I find frustrating, and particularly with novels, I guess I have this feeling where a recurring debate we have, George, is whether the novel has any more relevance in the culture. And and I guess I'm a little more pessimistic than you are about that. But um, I when I see these great grand literary projects now that come out, and it's like, um, you know, I think Alan, uh, okay. Alan Moore, the comic book writer, recently Jerusalem, right? wrote, wrote a book that's about over a thousand or two thousand, whatever, a thousand plus pages. It's over a million words, I think. Right. On, and it's called Jerusalem, but it's kind of about his hometown and everything. But it's, uh, and I just thought, who, what, what is that asking of people nowadays? There's, there's a, there's a vaulting ambition there that's commendable. And it is, you know, there's something romantic in me that's like, wow, someone sat with this project and, you know, did, did something incredibly huge and ambitious. But again, I'm looking at it and I'm like, what are you asking of readers these days? You're asking them to invest dozens and dozens of hours in. I think literature is quite selecting in a way that uh, like, television and film are a lot more passive aren't they you can just put a netflix box set on and not pay attention you cannot read that book without actively reading it so again it's not it's not going to be like it's not going to be in the kind of bargain bin in the in the petrol station for someone to pick up and go oh, i'll give that a go you kind of if you're reading that you're taking it on with a lot of probably awareness of his intention probably knowledge of his background sorry excuse me and the impact that that his other work has had and you want to see where that's come from. So it's, I mean, I'd be more thinking, did he enjoy writing a million words about that? What was his motive? But um, I don't, I don't necessarily have a problem with that being done. But as a, but as a reader, would you just look and think like, well, but I, I wouldn't read it. Would you think like, well, I'm not, I'm not bothering. Maybe if he wrote 200 page, if he, like, if I, you... I wouldn't, I just wouldn't read it. And that's my prerogative as I imagine like most people, most people a lot of people won't pick up the Nowscott books because it looks kind of a daunting undertaking but then I think you know more than something crazy like one in five or one in ten Norwegians Norwegian households have the whole the whole series so the if if you're into it you, I don't know literature is a different beast because you sort of seek it out and I think if the quality of the writing is good you could you could have more of it I mean you say that the novel and long novels aren't relevant. I mean, Game of Thrones are—they're all long novels that people are screaming for the next ones, to the point where they're yeah, terrified well, that they're not going to be finished, right? Well, Game of Thrones, Game of Thrones isn't the best example because I think they genuinely like those books. Not don't outstay their welcome, and they are telling a very singular—they're telling an epic story, but actually each one is doing a lot of storytelling. So I think it, they, they are justifying being like a seven book epic so i think that's an example of something that's doing it right in a way yeah well i would say the difference though is that the nascar books i mean it, it I, I hope this isn't boring for our listeners if you haven't read them but they're uh, they're not plot driven they, they aren't about plots obviously the the game of thrones books justified their length because they've got a vast cast of characters and lots going on to me, the Nowscar books justify their length because it is about him as a writer achieving these sort of moments of transcendence despite talking about pushing a, a pram around the park in Malmö or something like that. There's, there's, there is a, a task being achieved there. It's just not maybe the, conven- the conventional one. But I don't think that's a, 
a symptom of like contemporary literary culture. I would say it's, you know, the, 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 um, serialized books written, you know, paid by the word I've like Dickens is guiltier of rambling on at great length for a more kind of cynical reason of being paid than, than these, you know, feats of, he, he took on this project while being quite an underpaid and not particularly respected international, internationally, um, maybe quite well known in a country that doesn't have a huge um, publication audience. So I, I don't know. I, I don't think with literature, it's symptomatic of, of the day. There have been, we talk about the big prizes that have been won recently. There seems to be just a bit of a cycle of, there'll be one or two that are pretty short, like Julian Barnes' book won the Booker Prize, what, about seven or eight years ago? That was like 150 pages long, but then... A couple of the other winners recently have been bigger, um, much longer, like Brief History of Seven Killings is a long book. So I, I, I don't think there's necessarily a trend that well, that's contemporary not, publishing attitudes. Well, no, with books, with, with TV, I think there is definitely been a trend for bloating. I think I think in, in books, it's more my frustration. I think it hasn't... It, I think in some ways the medium hasn't responded at all to people's changing reading. It, it, you know, a lot of literature hasn't responded to the way people consume content a lot now. And I think it, there's something almost a bit old and 19th century to me about writing like a 700 page, um, big clunky novel. It sort of feels, it feels out of date to me. It feels, it feels like an old relic that I think, I think, like, I don't think people are going to engage with this. And I think... Well, I, think, I, think I don't like, think that's true. I think I think a lot of the big prize winning... Well, but it depends. A literary audience is obviously never going to be as broad as a film or television audience, apart from the odd sort of Harry Potter-esque phenomenon of which each of those books got increasingly longer and people would have taken more if they could be published. A lot of the big literary prizes are going to long novels. Yeah, but those are, yeah, but again, those are, I'm talking about even the literary reading, the types who are literary types. I anecdotally and through, I've seen, I remember John Ronson said something about this where he was like, is anyone else just fine? They just don't, you know, he's a big literary reader and says, is anyone else just fine? They just, just can't find the motivation now to read something. You know, Paul Auster's novel came out and it was like 700 pages, that 54321 novel. And he just said, like, I'm a fan of Paul Auster and I just can't bring myself to, you know, I just find it hard to have the motivation to bother. And and I think there's a there is that I think there is that feeling, even amongst people interested in literature who have this feeling of I just don't know if I can do that now. And, and you know, you may say that's a sad commentary on people uh, attention span today, but I think actually maybe it's just that we don't, we don't need to consume 800 pages of something in like, we've got many other things. And in some ways the, the things that do it concisely, you know, Cormac McCarthy writes masterpieces and, and, but they don't, you know, they don't outstay their welcome. And I, I think that if you do that, you're just more likely to get people in, like you're even likely to get literary people engaged in a stronger way. Yeah. I, I don't think, I, I don't think I agree. Um, 
well, with Cormac McCarthy, I would say that a lot, a lot of critics, particularly, and a lot of readers, really like Sutri, which is like double the length of, say, Blood Meridian. It's like six hundred pages, and it it could keep going and still be as gripping a novel. Um, it's a slightly different beast, and his later ones are like they do read like screenplays. So there's I don't know, there's something slightly different in his approach as his career and his age has increased, I guess, but. See I, see, I even find books I love, I even find books I deeply adore and love, I still, I come away and I go like 100 pages out of that, I'd have felt, you know, I was feeling bored by the last, like, 70. Yeah, but the, the person creating shouldn't be beholden to your attention. But like, if they've got a really long, great book in them, they shouldn't think, oh, but, you know, Steve's got other things. <laughs> No, but my theory is a lot of people feel this, and I think like a lot of people who probably read Martin Amos's Money, which is seen as like a contemporary classic, it I think it's like a man going being fairly crude and you know indulgent. Um, the man is indulgent, walk, going through New York and London doing these business deals, and it's like close to four hundred or plus pages. I reckon nearly everyone reads that and thinks, like you've you've got it after two hundred, two or three hundred. You kind of you've got that, and you don't you don't need another hundred of the same thing. And I I I think like films in some way have more checks on them. I think maybe films get a bit more check because they know they've got to like they're making a more conscious entertainment product, and even the artists in film. Like Stanley Kubrick told the story of human beings from chimps to, from apes to, um, you know, the future in two hours, 10 minutes. And, you know, that film has a kind of slow pace, but it's essentially two hours and it tells like the story of mankind. And in some ways, film has these demands of the market more on it where people won't stand for being told that they're not going to watch a seven hour film. But, and in some ways, books have this license to um, abuse people's time a bit more because they they can kind of, it's just not as, you're not as constrained by it. People aren't going to go to a movie theatre for seven hours. But And so I think in, I don't know, I, I, I think there's less sort of, less ruthless editing on some of these things than there could be. And uh, the TV show, I think, is kind of starting to have that as well, where there's just, because there's not the need and they think, well, you know, as long as there's more content being watched on Netflix, it doesn't even matter if people finish the TV shows we have, because we'll just throw another one at them. So we'll just throw another one in their face. And as long as they're watching, it's all good. So in some ways there's, it's like there's less demand for things to sort of have a, a concision to them because they can just throw another season in. There's uh, a difference there between the studio dictating the length of what the viewer wants and an individual author undertaking, I would assume, quite a personal project of which they feel that the medium and the style, as much as the content and the plotting, deliver the overall message they're trying to put across. I agree, money's too long. I, I don't think Martin Amos has ever written like an excellent book that always been like good and there's been baggy parts but that's just specific example I guess um I, yeah they're, they're just so they're just incredibly different beasts I think it's quite hard I mean to well to even compare them I mean Kubrick's also made some very long films right like Barry Lyndon's got an intermission um it's not like everything he does is 
is pure concision. You could say that that's like, you know, if there's long AI is interminably long. Eyes Wide Shut is a very long film. Um, it's not like everything he does is like brevity. The Killing is like sort. Of, I mean, Spartacus is also a very long film. So, um, yeah, they're just different mediums, though. I, I think the initial point we were talking about that I. I don't think books are longer now as a sort of symptom of our like culture rich society. I think longer TV shows probably are. And I think the technology and the medium drives up even stuff like YouTube videos, right? The length has gone up because the algorithm dictates that the longer people watch, the more ads they can serve. So that dictates the way that the creators yeah. make stuff. Netflix obviously gives, the directors, oh yeah, you can make as much as you want. There aren't ads and we can release it all in one hit and people will just watch it because it's easy. Definitely completely changes the approach to someone who would otherwise be told, okay, we can release one episode a week. You know, And if you said to someone, oh, you can watch all of The Sopranos now, but you have to watch them one week apart and it's going to take you over two years, I don't think as many people would sit and smash through it as if they can over the weekend um, with a box set that they're in charge of. And I, I think literature sort of escapes that a bit because the relationship between the reader and the writer is what well, the reader has to take on a lot more of an active role than just going to the cinema and just sitting down and letting it like, wash over you. But you kind of you watch it and it's done. The book it obviously involves a lot more, a lot more undertaking. But yeah, there's there's probably more at play with literature, right? As well, it's the style, the tone, all of those things. While you're involved in that active relationship, just just put something different across to a film. Obviously, there is a lot of active watching in in deliberately made cinema, but um, it still doesn't wash over you. You receive it; it's up to you to process it. Whereas with the reading, you are you are doing something in it. And I think those those long Nausgaard novels, although the latter ones certainly do need more editing, I think part of the the length adds to the sentiment. And when it gets it right. I've, I've had sections where I go, wow, I just read 100 pages and I wasn't really like cognizant of the fact that I read that much. So I think when it is when it works, it works. And obviously, the subjectivity means that it might not work for you and it worked for me or vice versa. Um, the yeah, thing, I mean, I think... Oh, sorry, carry on, please. Well, I, I just the thing that, that we've not touched on that I think this really bears out and has had a kind of serious impact into how the content is created is music. I think, like, again the sort of technology the medium through which the medium is played kind of thing like being able to listen on streaming services now completely changes how people go about making music and how we listen to music and the sort of terrible attention span of i guess like contemporary our contemporaries our, our attention spans on average are terrible um and i think music is a really clear example of how that's the case like so many songs just start straight with their main hook or they're made to just fit a playlist or to catch your attention straight away rather than there's certainly less focus on maybe making a cohesive album or the pop music going for the experimental it's more just hooking on things that that will make an algorithm driven playlist get as many listens as possible i mean on one level you know I like things that are like, bam, you're in. I do, you know, I do, I, I'm very into that. I don't like slow starting things, but I get, you know, with the, with the albums, we were saying like that new, the one, the new Vampire Weekend album we discussed last week, we were saying, well, I was texting you saying like, uh, 
my first thoughts of it is very strong, but it it does it feels like there's it's like every kind of album like it has what how many tracks would you say nine I think it's nineteen tracks nineteen which is a lot of tracks on an album and uh and I was like like every album with that many tracks it feels like there's sort of four or five fluffy lesser ones that you could you could happily chop and have all the same standout highlights of that album and and I guess it's like a I guess that's the crux really for me is my preference in that situation is I would I would prefer to just lose the filler ones whereas I think some people are like I'm loving what Vampire Weekend are giving me and I'm happy with more and I I sort of have this weird with weird ruthless editing streak in me where if something is not necessary to the cohesiveness of the product I'd rather just not I'd rather just not have it if there's if there's 50 pages in a novel that isn't essential to the the most standout moments it's like I'd rather lose it whereas I think some people are like more is more I I'm loving it so give me more well I guess because the way we consume it combined with the way that art is entirely subjective means that if they do put 19 tracks out the 10 that you like the best might be different to the 10 I like the best but on iTunes or Spotify or whatever I can just listen to the 10 I want and you can listen to the 10 you want we're not beholden to listen I don't know listening to it on vinyl that makes it a lot harder to skip tracks or whatever so kind of playlist culture makes it it certainly makes it easier I don't think their intention was necessarily to make an album that people just pick their couple of favourite songs from but well, it depends. There's different levels of fan, right? If you're sort of an ardent Vampire Weekend fan, you are going to make the effort to listen to it as an album as they wanted. If you just want to hear some kind of fun, poppy summer music, you might pick a couple of tracks you like. But yeah, the way we consume stuff now kind of puts the onus on the listener more than the creator in terms of you know sequencing. And it's very easy to just go on Spotify and just download the three tracks that you like and not mess around with the others never even have to hear them you just download the singles or um however you want to do it so yeah the way we consume stuff definitely affects affects it but it's a long album of mainly two and three minute pop songs right it's not like they've they've made you know nine ten minute tracks or something it's it they are actually it, that's quite an interesting example to talk about because they have actually made a lot of really short pieces of music. There's just nine, 18 of them, 19 of them, rather than, you know, it's like a collection of short stories. Yeah, but, and like you say, the, the algorithm does favour, from what I hear, is that if you put more tracks out on Spotify, that means more listens, so that's good for you as an artist. And again, it's where the medium, the Netflixing of stuff, it's like, it does make it more tempting to just bloat things because there's not really a cost to the content creator of bloating it. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I get, I guess I just have mixed feelings about that. And it's, uh, again, I'm, I'm always talking about stuff I like here. I'm not being like a hater of things, but I, I just have certain preferences and, uh, you know, unlike, I think it's, um, you know, St. Pablo, the, the, no, sorry, Life of Pablo, it's called, isn't it? The, uh, the Kanye. Yeah. It's like when he put that up, uh, there's things on there I think are amazing. And then it's just like some, it just, it just kind of, as a listener, it like, it, I want this, like, you're always seeking like perfection, right? And you want like, what's the thing you could give to someone where you'd be like, everything on that is a banger, but, 
you don't. You have these things where it's like, we'll skip those two tracks. They're not as good. So just they're a bit fluffy. Don't worry about them. And I'm always like searching for like the most taut, crisp, you know, like clear product as possible that's like shaved of all its fat. And I guess if there's not an incentive to lose that, it, yeah, I don't know. Just as a, just as a sort of perfection seeker, I, I like the idea of something being stripped down. I agree. I think there's also, so if you're being a bit of a nerd, you could kind of come up with an archetype. The best album is going to be sort of 38 minutes long, nine tracks, you know, average track length is this time, whatever, or film. The best film is going to be 100 minutes. The best book is probably, you know, 350 pages, something like that. But if you're talking about with music, particularly an artist, I don't think that's a great album at all for Kanye in the grand scheme of things. But them, or yeah, or Vampire Weekend, they're artists who... I guess a lot of their fans like their ability to be, you know, multifaceted. They approach different aspects of of different genres and stuff. So it's kind of inherently part of their project to be doing a wider range of things. And the, the kind of way we consume things now makes that easier for people to do, um, you know, be a bit more scattergun. I think Vampire Weekend have done a really good job of being scattergun, but do, still still keeping it quite contained i think that's a really good balance and for a band that i guess their first two albums were 30 something minutes the second one's about the third album is about 48 or something so it's not like they've you know they've they've started things quite concisely and they've they've built up i guess there's probably with bands there's an obligation to like refresh the live set list as well so having you know they've added 18 more options for their live show um without really bloating things out too much. Um, but yeah, I, th- I, th- I think my concern with it is I like a long film. I don't have problems with long films if, if they deliver well. I like long literature if it delivers well. No, the, God- the Godfather uses three hours wisely. Like, um, yeah. yeah. Three um, hours well spent on The Godfather. Um, I, uh, so I don't mind length as a... On, as a thing in itself I, i've read long books that are worth the 600 pages um yeah i, I think I, the now scott one is just it's such a it's such a like particular example because it's it's like i think it's one of the longest books of all time because it is over six volumes and one of the volumes alone is over a thousand pages so yeah it's it's kind of like it's not if you're a man of concision, it's like, why are you messing around reading the Nelsgaard? But it's kind of <laughs> I like... I don't know, George. He didn't, know. He didn't intend... I think, again, carrying on with it, it's like it becomes this like cyclical, self-reflective thing. And I think that's there's something very interesting about seeing a piece of art start to look on itself and while looking on itself, continue the process of making that same piece of art. I think in of itself, that's quite an interesting thing. I wouldn't recommend it as my, if you're only going to read one book this year, read this because you wouldn't fit it in your holiday bag. But, um, I mean, it's a great work. work. I just find it. Yeah. There's something about it that definitely, my sensibilities get frustrated by that that level of over length in my mm. opinion my I, I i do feel the same way for certain things but i also i think my sensibility goes the other way for say someone like kanye west he's he's now all about oh, i'll only do seven songs and all of my albums are gonna be 22 minutes and i just find it a bit it's sort of preachy in a way that it's like well your last couple of albums were about an hour and a half long so like don't yeah. 
you know, it's like taking a sort of preachy stance about that kind of thing. And I think a lot of his latter works felt very rushed. So hearing it about, oh, it's all about being perfect and really tight and really concise. It's like, he, I think he said he came up with the album title and made the album art on like the last day that before it came out. Yeah, it yeah. sort of smacks a little bit of like handing in a school report at the last minute. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, just, that's, that's fine. If you're going to do it that way, that's cool. That's like a bit of a sort of punk aesthetic or something, but don't also apply a sort of, not, not holier than now, but a, this is how all art should be, concision is correct. Well, yeah, yeah. Not, if it's, not if it's sort of tossed off. Um, yeah. Like, take your time and make, an, like, make Dark Twisted Fantasy. It's a long album, but sort of, it's got a consistent and cohesive, it's better to be consistent and cohesive over an hour than 19 minutes of scattergun. It's not, it's not like one is objectively better than the other. You, a, a perfect album with 10 really good songs is obviously the, the, the dream, but it's not always attainable. Right. Yeah. I mean, Hey, the Marvel just finished a 20 something <laughs> film series. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they but really, the market dictated that, right? Like, People yeah, they did. Seeing those, they're making them. They're making more. They're making those. St- Star Wars one's quite an interesting example, I guess, because people do seem to have tired out of that a bit. Right, the solo one didn't get well received. It'll be interesting to see after they finish this, uh, the Skywalker arc. Let's say that if if people do have a taste for just more and more, um, I mean, I suspect they will, but I don't know. There's definitely a kind of some kind of fatigue there. But you know, uh, the Marvel one. I mean, the Marvel really stuck the landing with that last film. They, they, the emotional finish. They could almost now never do another one. It's, it was such a sort of good ending. Can't see that happening. I know it was such, it was such a good ending for all those characters. It was almost like it, that. That was the part they got the most right. But um, no, I, I think the market would definitely dictate they'll do far more than are necessary, um, as they yeah. probably already. I have. guess lit- literature's just got the unless they are. You know, they pay a big advance for Michelle Obama's autobiography or something, but often, you know, it's it's quite a cheap, <laughs> cheap sort of enterprise, and it does come with that. The onus is on the reader to engage with it kind of thing. It's very different to his two hundred million dollars to make a huge blue hedgehog film and make an absolute mess of it. Um so yeah, I guess there's there's just more room to play with with literature in terms of being experimental because if you don't want to read it, you don't have to keep turning the page. Yeah. I guess. So, yeah, that's, uh, um, that's I think, true. And I think it's the medium that's least least affected by contemporary means of consumption. Because even if you're reading it on a Kindle, you still have to actively read every page. That, and the, I've seen that app, I think it's called Blinkist or something, where it like really comp- it, it distills a book into like 20 bullet points and you can kind of get the gist of it. But if you're doing that with literature, like, what are you doing? What's the point? Yeah. I, I, it makes complete sense if you want to read an autobiography or a textbook, but, oh, yeah, I read the, the bullet-pointed version of, yeah, War and Peace. Well, yeah, that's bizarre. You know, missed the point. So I think, like you say, there is that, like, slightly perverse 19th century-ness to writing a big novel, but, yeah, I mean, it's not a particular... The way that a novel's written will change, but the actual, like... <laughs> the kind of meat and veg of having to turn a page and actively read isn't different, is it? Whereas the way we consume binging a box set does feel to me like a very different beast to catching up with the series once a week or however it goes. Yeah. And I, and I guess there's a, you know, some people do like that 
I mean, you know, I think The Sopranos is a masterpiece, and and I guess some people do like the fact that well, I love this show, and I've I'm going to sit with my boyfriend or girlfriend and watch. We're going to watch this for the next month or two. We're just going to enjoy binging on, you know, watching all these episodes, kind of thing. So if you're loving it, then it's all gravy, I guess. Um, mm. um, that is yeah, it, I, isn't it? It's just the it's the the subjectivity of or the kind of appreciation of art is sort of what justifies all the variety of it, I guess. But yeah, I guess, I guess it just we, can... we do watch a trailer for something like Sonic and I just, I can't see who in the world of subjectivity goes, that's, that's the film for me. Make that three hours long and I'll be there for three hours. You know, you know they're going to make that nice and snappy though. Well, yeah, they're going to have to, aren't they? It's going to be like a 40 minute short by the end of it. Yeah. No, it's just, it's just that thing. And I think, the thing I do definitely find is the TV thing where it's like, I, I do sometimes put on these shows and even though I'm, I want to watch them, I'm sometimes like, do you have to do an hour every episode? And does it have to have like a 25 minute lead in? Like, you know, I, I feel that it's just, you're permitted to now. So you will tell this story over like so many seasons when it's probably not necessary. So. There is definitely um, a, a bit of that. Yeah. Long, longer series fatigue, but again, Either it could be because it's been my decision to catch up with something that's been long running because I wasn't there from the start or something. So I've come about it that way and it's not really a fair representation of how it was intended originally. But I am getting like, the t- I think the two shows I championed as things worth watching a couple of episodes ago, I love because they have been like 20 minute episodes and I find when I recommend them to people, I go, Oh, it's great. And they're only 20 minute episodes. So you'll be able to watch them really quickly. Yeah. I get so excited when I see things that have half hour episodes and they're really good. Cause I just, mm. it feels like you zip through the media. Um, yeah. Um, okay. Well, I feel we've, we've hashed out. This is probably our first, our, probably our most heated debate, George. <laughs> I don't even know. What was the premise? What was the pitch? The premise was, art is too long. <laughs> it down. <laughs> too many things are too long. My patience is thin. Yeah. Uh, that was the theme. Um, but, make, uh, make things fit my schedule. Yeah. I just, you know, think about the audience. Come on, get it. Snap it. Let's keep, cut it down. Um, uh, all right. Well, that's good stuff um we'll we'll call it there we've done we kind of we're kind of bouncing around these topics i quite like it we're uh we're probably going to come back to something frothy in the next one maybe something um on dating we've got a few ideas um if you're enjoying this please subscribe on itunes spotify soundcloud or uh stitcher uh, or subscribe on all of them we'll love you a lot and uh do you think this episode was too long steve what do you think that sort of fits? That's sort of like a performative acknowledgement to the content. The meta point. See, we told you. Um, you know, you, you, we can kind of we can kind of pass that off as like I've made my point. If they complain about the length, <laughs> entrapment. <laughs> yeah exactly and we just wasted I, an hour of your life so if they complain about the length i win the debate yeah um yeah lovely stuff uh thanks for joining us guys cheers guys it's been a pleasure see you soon bye bye